Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to a weekly look at all things high school sports around the South Plains. Powered by the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Here's the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. We are in week nine of football action. I'm Alexis Cubitt, the high school sports writer at the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. And as always, I'm joined by Ryan King, sports director at KLBK. It's another week of of a lot of football action. A lot of great games happened this week, but I want to lead off first by talking about something that's been, I don't think there's been a team yet that hasn't been affected by the current pandemic and COVID-19. The biggest one actually hit in town. This is the first time we've actually had a team shut down because of positive cases, and that would be Lubbock High. Um, They're out quite a few guys because of positive cases um, and injuries combined. We often forget about injuries at this time of year because we're so busy focused on um, the pandemic, but injuries are definitely still a thing. So the Westerners are down quite a bit. Um, they got beat pretty handily by Randall this past week. Um, that score was 59 to zero and 24 hours later, an email is sent out saying that they're going to go ahead and shut down the season for the next two weeks, which makes them have to forfeit their game against Monterey, which is the silver Spurs game and then forfeit against Tascosa, which hurts them, um, the playoffs just in that perspective and then also hurts Monterey because that's the second game Monterey's had canceled um so it's just Brian it's just one of those weird seasons I don't think there has been one like it and I really hope there's never one like this again yeah I think it stinks for both teams when you look at our local schools because Lubbock High you know, around the area, there's usually not much expectations for them and I get I get why that is but they start off this year two and zero. Even seeing it two and two, who knows what's going to happen? You at least want to get as many games in as possible, even if you right. don't miss, even if you don't make the playoffs. And now they're losing two of those. So now at this point, now they're eliminated from the playoffs basically without even playing two of their games, which really stinks yeah. for them. And then Monterey, on the other hand, like you just mentioned, they've done everything they can up to this point, as far as we know, to keep their guys healthy to play. Mm-hmm. And they've lost now two games, and we're only this is only week five. Right. And they will only have played three games when they're headed into week six. And that yes, hurts them. Too. Yes, and that, that hurts them, you know, getting ready for more games. When I think their next one's Amarillo High, you know, they don't have that game against Lubbock High. And also, forget about what this means for the playoffs or anything. That Silver Spurs game, that means a lot to those fan bases, you know. Right. That means this, this is the most competitive Lubbock High team since I've been here. Who knows, maybe they can uh, pull one out on Monterey this year and finally get those Spurs back for the first time in years. But now they don't get that opportunity. And like I just said with Monterey, they now are down two games. And you need those games. You need to get in that repetition. I remember when we talked to Coach Hatch after the first game, they want to get as many live reps as possible for when you take on Coronado, when you take on Tasco. So these are tough games yep. that you probably win against Lubbock High and Odessa. You probably win those games. Mm-hmm. But you need those reps. You need to get – I mean, they still have an offense that's finding its groove you need as many games as possible. It's just an unfortunate incident of this year and it's bad timing really. Yeah. And you hate, I think it just goes to show how, I mean, like they say, sports teach you live lessons. I think the situation just shows how interdependent we all are to one another. You know, if, and obviously, you know, nobody at Lubbock High wanted this situation, but because this happened to them, you know, now it's affecting um, Monterey because the situation happened to Odessa, Monterey was affected because of the situation. Tascosa now loses a game. Um, so it's just a really unfortunate situation. And you feel for everybody. I know I saw a couple of the, the Monterey guys kind of expressing their, their discontent on Twitter. And I mean, I get it. You're frustrated because you want to play. Uh, 
you know, a couple of them were seniors and this is their last season. And now it's essentially tainted, you know, by this, this pandemic and these cases. And, you know, let's, let's just be clear. I believe that Lubbock High did the right thing. You don't want to go into a situation um, knowing that you could potentially spread something that has, that we still don't know a whole lot about, honestly. Um, and that affects different people differently. Um, and knowing that going into these games, like, oh, it'll be fine. You know, and they did try to isolate. That's why they were down to their third string quarterback against Randall. It just got to the point where, you know, just like everywhere else in the world, this virus is spreading so quickly that you don't know exactly who all is affected because some people might be asymptomatic. You don't know, you know, um, how much it's affected. And then Nathan Geese from the Plainview Herald raised a good point. Lubbock High played Plainview two weeks ago. Plainview is also doing a current quarantine of sorts um, because of positive cases. Um, so again, just goes to show that everybody is affected and what one person does affect another person, you know, and they at least for Plainview, they were supposed to play Abilene Wiley this week. They at least had that, that their district made that buffer. Um, what was it like the, the buffer date, if you will, um, to where they could potentially push back a game if they had to. And it worked out really well for them. They're going to push that game against Abilene Wiley back to the day after Thanksgiving, I believe it is. So they won't have to forfeit. Um, they also have a good chance of making the playoffs, which they haven't in quite a few years, at least since I've been here. Um, so that is a plus for them. But, you know, for, for Lubbock High, like you said, that essentially eliminates from the play, them from the playoffs without them even getting to actually play a game. Um, and it puts Mara in a weird situation because they still have to play, like you said, the Tascosas, the Emerald Highs, the Coronados. And so – Whereas maybe if they would have had four games up or five, four or five games at this point, they might be able to be competitive. It's hard to say because they just don't have that practice. They don't have those, those game reps in. So you definitely feel for everybody in that situation, but we're definitely hoping that um, both Lubbock High and Plainview can get healthy and everybody can stay safe um, during this time. But some of the games that we did get to, I got to go down to Denver city and watch that game. Shalwater ended up winning 44 to 41. They were up big. <laughs> they were really big at halftime. And then you had Mario Sanchez, who actually, even though they lost, he probably impressed me the most out of everybody. Just his will to win and how he threw two touchdown passes in the fourth quarter, uh, ran in a two-point conversion, um, accounted for – all of their scoring, whether it be him taking it in or him throwing it. Uh, but Bax Townsend was just an athlete and he played a really good game. Um, kind of iced it off there at the end with the 22 yard run after they got pushed back with some penalties and, and different things. Um, it's, it's funny because coach Wood said, you know, nobody's going to be able to leave early. Then after the first half, I was like, eh, maybe he was just like being nice. I don't really know. Cause I always thought Denver city was a good team too. Then you get in the third quarter and like, all right, this is getting interesting. You get in the fourth quarter and like, all right, we have a game. You know, and they end up pulling it out. Um, I still think Denver City is going to probably end up as the number two seed just because if they play how they played in the fourth quarter, I think they could definitely do that. Um, and then Shallow Water, I think, can end up winning out and going undefeated this season. It was a heck of a game, and it was nice to finally see Denver City be the team that you and I have talked about preseason. With that, like, this seems they are a good team. They will be competitive, but it felt like in so many games. And I know one of them was Idaloo, and you look at what Idaloo's doing. But like, right. it just felt like they were they were losing games so badly. It's like maybe they're not. You know, maybe they're not that team that we anticipated. But then last night against a, I mean, a very good Shallow team. This isn't just like a, oh, they've had an easy schedule. This is a legitimately yeah. good Shallow Water team. Right. And they were there, you know, toe for toe with them, pushing them late. Mm -hmm. um, and to come back against a team that good, that really does say something. Um, so it was nice to see Denver City uh, finally become that team. They're like, okay, this is what we anticipated out of you guys. But Shallow Water, once again, good teams that make mm -hmm. deep playoff runs, this is what they do. And it's still such an interesting thing. This team is so young. Bax Towns, I believe, is a sophomore. Yep. And 
he's a starting quarterback. Imagine what he's going to be as a junior and senior. I know they have senior talent and whatnot, but, like, when you have a senior and the guy that's doing that much that's that young and a team that's that, that young, I just can't help but think about what they're going to look like next year and then in 2022. But just looking at this year alone, they are already a very special team. And they ended up pulling out like we thought they would. Um, but, man, I, I was very impressed by Denver City. It was really nice to see. And if they stay – like you just said – if they stay with that, if they keep going the way they were going, um, if they keep going this way that they were late in that game, then they're going to be a, a force to be reckoned with throughout the season. Yeah, Uriel Rodriguez is also big. He caught both of those touchdowns from Mario Sanchez. Uriel is just an overall athlete. Um, he, at least a year or two ago when I was able to go out and watch baseball, he was a pretty good baseball player for them, um, actually was – Aaron Mendez is backup as a running back last year, um, but he got most of his reps at wide receiver last year. And this year he's, he ran the ball a little more. So that was kind of interesting to see his versatility and being able to run, catch, kind of be that utility player, if you will. Um, I believe he had a fumble recovery, a tackle for loss on defense, almost had an interception, something like that, but making plays on defense too. Um, so they definitely have a lot of pieces. Uh, it's just a matter of putting them together. But, I mean, I think it's kind of like I was talking to Coach Fontenot after the game. He was like, you know, how do you go to the guys and say great game because they lost? But, I mean, it was a great game, you know. And I think for Denver City, their takeaway would be maybe to start quicker. And then for Shallow Water, theirs would be, you know, to finish. Um, And Coach Wood made mention of that. You know, he's like, we've gotten off to these fast starts, but it's just getting late down the stretch being able to play a little better. Um, so I think they both have good things and to take away from this and things that they need to work on and take away from this. Um, but definitely a very, very fun game that I was very happy to go to. Um, speaking of having lots of weapons, I believe you went to post at New Deal, which didn't come as too much of a surprise that uh, Post went ahead and won that one pretty handily. <laughs> Uh, they're looking like they're on their way to another undefeated season after that 39-0 win over New Deal, which they up until last year they had never had an undefeated season before. It, it is funny when I was we were talking in the office about it, the, the context of this game versus last year's game. Last year's game against New Deal, that was the game they burst onto the scene. We you know, go to that game mm-hmm. thinking, okay, Post is good. New Deal's undefeated, though. They're coming off you know, going to the state championship themselves, New Deal did. So, like, this game will really separate the two teams. If New Deal wins, okay, they're still the team to beat. Maybe Post can challenge them. Well, Post went in there and smacked them. They were about 40-something to zero at halftime, and it probably wasn't even that close. They were doing anything they wanted offense and defense. This yeah. year, New Deal is better. I, I do think Post is better than last year as well, but New Deal is a little bit better, so it wasn't as, you know, one-sided as last year's game was. But it was just – you were once again reminded, like, this New Deal team, they're not great, but they're good. And Post just is no doubt the better team. I mean, they are doing – there was one play that I really thought was very um, interesting was uh, late in the first half, it was 7 to nothing, And New Deal's sticking in there. Their offense isn't doing a whole lot, but their defense is holding Post a good amount. So, again, okay, you know, maybe this will be a low-scoring affair. And it was third and long. Whatever it was, it was third and long. They uh, they do a little pitch. They're going to the left side, but it's like third and twelve or fifteen or something. Okay, they're not going to get. They reverse it um, to Ward. I forget his first name right now, but Josiah Josiah Ward, and he runs like twenty twenty five yards, gets him down to like the five yard line, and it's just like that play. Just to me, was so. This is what they do. They have so many weapons. They have they can still surprise you. They can run the ball. They can pass it. Ward also scored the first touchdown on a quick little slant that he was just faster than everybody. Slayton Pittman ran one in while I was there. Ashton Jefferson gets a pass and, you know, powers his way in. He had a couple of long runs. You're just reminding – and this is all with Nathan McDaniel doing nothing. I, I didn't even see Nathan much. <laughs> he was out there, but it's like that's another weapon. They just have so many weapons out there mm-hmm. uh, that I, I – it's really exciting to see this team. And New Deal is not small. They are a big physical team. Right. But Post was still – they were sat, They were getting to the quarterback a lot. They I think they picked the ball off twice uh, in the first half. And – uh, it, it, it really is. We've, we've talked about them throughout the year, but seeing them in person now without just seeing highlights, seeing the full context of them playing, it feels like they're not even playing like all engines go. I'm not saying they're taking it easy, but like, it doesn't feel like they're going full out and they are still no doubt the better team when I watch these games. 
Yeah. And maybe that's, maybe that is just how they play, but it just feels like there's that extra gear they can go to because they, they hardly have basketball. They will just run, run, run. And then when it's like, okay, it's third and 11, we should probably throw the ball. I'm curious what it's going to be like if they just unlock that and they're just constantly, you know, Hey, what's the best option here? Run pass, run pass. And you're right. I mean, at this point, I mean, they beat uh, sundown by 45, letting them score six. They beat new deal by 39, not letting them score at all. Barring some upset, they are going undefeated in the regular season. And I think you can go ahead and pencil them in for the quarters and probably the semis with the state championship being – they will be the favorite on this side of the state to get there. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree with that. And I think the thing that's interesting about them <clears throat> is that they kind of structure – in some ways they're scheduled for that, playing you know bigger classes like they beat Abernathy – um, I think you mentioned it the other day. It would be interesting to see them try to play like a, a shallow water or something. I think that might be kind of a, a fun deal. Um, that, but that would be so post in shallow water. I would love that. I would love to see that matchup. Yeah, definitely. And that's quite a few classes, but I mean, the way that post is playing, why not? I mean, Bax Townsend's a really good athlete, but that defense is very physical. Like I, I'd lo- I just love to see how they match up with each other. It'd be fun. Yeah, definitely. Then you look at, so they've got Floyd Ada next, or I'm sorry, yeah, Floyd Ada next, Hill Center, and then Tohoku after that. Um, yeah, I, I just, I think they're, I, I think they could win out pretty, oh, yeah. pretty easily. Um, so it'll definitely be interesting to see how that goes. And I mean, these guys are just, like you said, they're just playing on a lo- another level right now with a lot of different pieces that um, contribute to such a strong, just a strong performance overall. I mean, offensively, defensively, they're all over the place. So that's definitely, definitely a fun one to see. Another another team that is kind of in the situation that Post was in last year and that they've really turned the season around is Roosevelt. Roosevelt mm-hmm. is undefeated. 7-0 and for the first time since 1986, which was before all of us were born. I talked to Coach Landers, and that was the year before he was born. So it, it's just really interesting to see that. They ended up beating Regan County 57-0 for their fourth shutout of the season and have um, Abernathy this week, who lost to Idaloo this past Friday. So that's really going to be interesting. If they can get past this one, I think not overlooking, you know, Coahoma because Coahoma was undefeated until Idaloo beat them. But I think it's going to set up for a really interesting regular season finale, them hosting Idaloo, already a rivalry like we talked about. But then if that's potentially for the district championship, that adds a whole nother layer to it. Roosevelt, I still feel so vindicated in the offseason. So the two teams to watch out for, Sundown and Roosevelt, didn't know Roosevelt would quite be this good, but seven and zero. You mentioned I didn't know about the stats since nineteen eighty six. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. But they are this is not a early on their schedule was not super tough. The first couple of weeks they did not have a really tough schedule, which makes sense based off how they've been in previous years. You're not going to have all these juggernauts going against you, obviously. Um, but they still looked really good. Like, okay, I think this team's for real, but we'll see. Um, but they do it week in and week out. And it's tough to not have a letdown, especially in 2020. I put more of an emphasis on winning in 2020 than I have in any previous season. The style points to me in previous seasons matter more. This season, not as much just because it's such an erratic year. You can miss, you know, we yeah. missed the spring. We, like To me, I usually put a lot of stock in winning and a lot of stock in style points. This year, I put way more in winning and some in style points. And they keep winning over and over and over. And that defense is for real. I know I look it up every week, but they've given up something like 25 points in seven games or something. It's incredible. Right, right. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, and their offense is still good, too. You know, don't, 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 don't get me wrong. They're not winning these games like 7-0 to zero or whatever. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. But that, that defense is so real. And I, mm-hmm. if they go out there and, like you just said, if they beat Abernathy, who I, I, they're not the same Abernathy of old, but if they beat Abernathy something like uh, 27 to zero i'm gonna be like my goodness they are roosevelt i I mean nothing against abernathy but everything you've seen from the two teams this year you got to go abernathy in this one and it just sets up for that magical game that we've been talking about since about week one or two between idaloo and roosevelt Mm -hmm. rivalry 10 years since idaloo's won the championship all those things and for a district title if they're both undefeated nine and oh it will be just so fun or uh 
I guess Idaloo wouldn't be 9-0 because they've missed a couple games, but both undefeated. So it will be a really fun game this week to see. This will be the best offense they face so far with Abernathy, who even while they're struggling, still the best offense Roosevelt's faced. And Roosevelt holds them to like zero or something, something that uh, Post didn't do, uh, something that uh, Idaloo obviously gave up 14 to him. Like it's, I'm very curious to see Abernathy's offense, Roosevelt's defense, and Roosevelt just – I mean, they're for real. Yeah. So they'll have Stanton – this week they'll go to Stanton, Idaloo will – and then their last two games would be Regan County and then the Roosevelt, like we mentioned. Another undefeated team that's rolling into the bye week just before district starts for them, Coronado Mustangs, beating Wichita Falls Rider pretty handily. They, I mean, they had them shut out for the first half and they ended up winning 51-13. to 13. Now, I do feel like as for as good as I believe Coronado is, I do feel like it's important to mention that Ryder was without their four-star Virginia commit quarterback, Jacob Rodriguez, who was held out for precautionary reasons. They were missing a few defensive starters as well. I don't think it would have changed the outcome. I just think it would have changed the win margin. Yeah. Um, just with, by the way that uh, Coronado has been playing. Mm-hmm. Had another big game. Um, Ted Gilmore had a – fumble recovery, or I'm sorry, a block punt return for a touchdown. So they're, again, special teams, like Coach Park talks about, you know, the offense is going to look good, and that's the the attractive part because you see the points, but they want to be good in defense. They want to be good in special teams. And from the looks of things, I wasn't there, obviously, because I was in Denver City, but from the look of things in Wichita Falls, it looked like they were executing in every aspect Obviously nice to roll into the bye with an undefeated mark, especially when getting ready for district play coming up here soon. I think an underrated player on the team that we don't talk about enough is uh, Trevor Stevens. I think he's been such a mismatch a nightmare on that team. He's kind of a tight end type body, kind of a receiver, and just feels like he mm-hmm. is bigger or faster than anyone he's going to face. He's at least one or the other, if not both. But you are right. We We've talked about – you know, and I've heard Coach Parr talk about when I got here in 2017, how does this team stack up with 2017 that went to the state quarters? Like, how are they? And the offense is pretty similar. Maybe it's a little bit better. Like, they don't have the same star as Blair Conrad, but they have more depth. We talked about that. This is by far the best Coronado defense. It's not even close. So, we can talk. You're right. The fun thing is the offense. This is by far the best defense since I've come, since I've come here. And I think Coach Parr would tell you this. I don't think I'm talking out of school. That's not his main thing. Obviously, he wants a good defense, and they coach that. But his main focus is, okay, if we have to have one great side of the ball, it's going to be the offense. That's what he knows. That's what his talent goes to. This defense has been incredible. They don't even have to be scoring in the 40s like they have been. They only need to score about 17 to 20 points, and they're going to win these games. Mm -hmm. Um, So it helps when, obviously, you have both going. You're exactly right. This defense has been dominant. And I think, in my opinion at least, easily the best I have seen since showing up in 2017 with Coronado and it's going to be a really deadly combo. If this offense stays clicking like this or only gets better, and the defense is this suffocating, and I, I, I know they were out, you know, they're Ryder's still a good offense, even with no, yeah, for sure. They, they are still they, uh, they're tied in as a Texas Tech commit, and Jed Castles over. There. I mean, they are a good team, and it just felt like they couldn't get hardly anything going. And that is something that really surprised me. The offense maybe is a little bit better than I expected, but about right. The defense is what's like, wow, this is amazing. Like, it, it, it's such a suffoc. I mean, they've allowed, I think, 28 points in four games. I mean, it's, 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 it's impressive what they're doing. Uh, and I, I really think that is really the focus should be. Everyone, you're right. We all want to talk about the offense because that's the fun thing. You have Sawyer going to Mississippi State. You have all those things. But this defense is, is very legit. This, this defense is if – if I'm a team, I'm more worried about the defense than the offense because um, – the offense is going to feed off that defense. If they're getting constantly out, your defense is going to get exhausted mm-hmm. um, going against their fast-paced – going against their fast-paced offense. You have to stay on the field. And it just feels like it's tough to stay on the field against Coronado because they're turning the ball over, they're getting sacks. Mm-hmm. And that's why – one of the most impressive areas I've seen of anyone anywhere has been Coronado's defense. Yeah, definitely. I really like to watch Charlie and Isaiah play off each other uh-huh. just – that that dynamic there and of course we have a lot of other good pieces like Nigel Braithwaite who I thought has really kind of come on this season um 
but it's just really interesting to to watch them play off of one another because you talk about the intangibles, but this is, just seems like that chemistry is there. And it has to be. You go from last year where they have a new defensive coordinator in um, Efren Ramos, who I believe was actually on the offensive side for almost 20 years before making the switch. Um, and guys learning new positions. We've heard Coach Parr talk about Isaiah learning that, those, that position instead of just blitzing all the time. Um, to this season, coming in and just really playing well together. You know, so when you have talent, chemistry, and, you know, what you're doing, that does make it really difficult. And you go from, you know, giving up so many points to having back-to-back shutouts, the first of which had never even been done since Coach Park got here. Then you turn around and, and put two, and I believe the last shutout that they had was like 2012 or something, the early 2010s, um, and then back-to-back. And then you start out – shutting out Wichita Falls Rider in the uh, the first half. So 10 quarters of no scoring. And then if you count the – if you go just the starters, that's 12. You know, and like they say, defense wins championships. And the defense is definitely feeding off the offense. Offense is definitely feeding off the defense. So it'll be um, – I think it's just good momentum. I'm sure it'll be hyped up. By next week, you know, this week they'll take a week off to, you know, recover, get some things together, game plan for Paladuro, which is 0-3 right now. But as we know, you can't take any opponent for granted because on any given day, anybody can win. On any given day, anybody can lose. Um, and then right after that, they'll have Lubbock High, which we already talked about the Westerners. So that would be um, interesting to see how they bounce back from that one. That'll be, I believe, their first game back, which will be tough for, for Lubbock guys. You quarantine for two weeks, and the first team you get is is Coronado. So that will be very similar to uh, – I remember when Slayton had their two weeks out. Their they first game back post. was like, ooh, man. Yeah. <laughs> man. Talk about adversity. Man. Yep. Yep. But uh, this week will actually be a, a pretty – I mean, we have some teams off, but this will be a big one in town because we have the rematch of Lubbock High – or Lubbock Christian, excuse me, and Trinity Christian. We talk about that Lubbock-Cooper friendship four-overtime game last year, and that was probably one of the best games I saw. But I think a second – close second would be that Lubbock Christian-Trinity game just because of the way that it ended. And I'll be talking to Eagles coach Chris Softly in the next segment. So if you're listening, please stay tuned for that to hear what he has to say about it. Um but that was just such a fun game last year. Like I said, that was – it's – for me, in the games that I've covered, top two would be Lubbock Cooper friendship and then Lubbock Christian, Trinity Christian, just because, you know, it, it was – well, you came into the game knowing that Lubbock Christian was good because they were undefeated. Mm-hmm. The game kind of figuring out Trinity Christian because they had gotten off to a little bit of a tough start, um, but then they went undefeated in district um, – it was Coach Kevin Spiller's first season there, first season coaching taps, football in general. And then they just, I mean, Justin Franco had a heck of a game, took him oh, yeah. to the wire, ended up coming to a goal line stand. Cash Howard was in on that play and just completely stuffed Trinity Christian after coming out of a timeout, ended up winning the game. And we all know what happened. Lubbock Christian ended up going to a state championship game and did lose. Um, they lost a whole bunch of seniors, but I mean, they're undefeated right now. Uh, that game last year, one of the best games I have witnessed as far as just, at least as far as the ending. Early on, I felt like, wow, Trinity came out fine. I expect to be a runaway Lubbock Christian. Right. And it looked like it was going to be a runaway for Trinity Christian. Yep. But coming down to that last time, setting up for the live shot, looking at the other end of the field, it's like, man, is this game going to finish in time? And they get down to like first down at like the three yard line. It ends up being fourth down at the one. Mm-hmm. Love it, Christian gets a stop, and you know what they did going to the state championship, which may have happened anyway, um, because it's not like they were going to miss the playoffs if they lost that game or something. But right. those rivalry games, it really is the great equalizer. And it's funny that I asked – I remember when I first saw the schedule back in whatever it was, July or whatever, and I saw that game was back at Trinity again. I thought that I was, was interesting. I was like, Coach Stuff was like, how's it going? Just the way the schedule worked out for each of us. I was like, man, that's very unfortunate. But, yes – one of the games in the area, for regardless of level, this has been one of the games. If you had a, if I had a top ten list preseason of what games you'd want to watch, this would be on there. 
for sure. Um, because it's always that fun rivalry game. They match up so well. Um, there's a lot of respect between the teams, and it's going to be fun once again. Haven't made our schedule yet. I'm hoping I'll be the one. I mean, I say I'm making the schedule, but I hope it works out. <laughs> but I'll be the one uh, shooting that game. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be really fun, honestly. It's going to be really fun. Yeah, definitely. And I believe our editor, Carlos Silva, will actually be at that game. I'll be at Friendship San Angelo game, um, which should be another good one. But, yeah, uh, I think the interesting thing about Lubbock Christian they had so many questions coming in because they lost such a talented big senior group. I believe that was the first group of freshmen that coach softly had when he got here. If that wasn't this year is. Um, so there were questions we knew, you know, coming back that they would have Alex Lack, who obviously played a lot of snaps and was an integral part of that state championship title game run. But you just wondered, okay, you know, what else do they have, but then you had, you know, guys like Cade Landrum, who's really come on. And you had guys that I think really learned from that. And then we talk about coaches really getting in their system. I feel like Coach Shoffley has done a really good job of implementing that system. And it's really paying off in some big ways. Um, But then at the same time, Davis Reeves has had a really good season for Trinity Christian. Um, They're sticking by their run game, which obviously um, Coach Spiller talked about how they had that strong offensive line coming back and that was pretty much a strength for them. And you're seeing that in the way that they are able to, to play. Um, they do have, I believe one district loss already. I can't remember how they did this past week, but. Um, they won this last week. Okay. So they just have the one district loss. So it's not quite, it doesn't have the same implications as last year did, but it's still a big game because they're the only two, 11-man private schools in town. Um, They're still in a district together. They're obviously always very competitive. So um, definitely one of the premier games in town this week. Yeah, and it's it's just going to be really fun. It felt like just yesterday, and it was with the delayed start and everything, uh, the day that I went to go shoot Trinity Christian's preview, they were in the Lions' den doing their football practice because that was when we had really bad weather a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. But now we're already here, and since they start playoffs – the same time as everyone else, and everyone's qualified, so congratulations to all of our TAPS teams for making right. Um, The fact that they're already in week, you know, nine as well, like they're already nearing the end of their seasons, uh, it is just really interesting to see, like, yes, Alex Lack's back. Um, Trinity has taken a step this year. We were kind of curious how Lubbock Christian would look. Would they look worse? Because they did lose some players, but it looks like – I'm not going to say they're better than last year because I do think that team had a lot of talent on it. Mm-hmm. But they are still a good team. Yeah. Uh, and it, it – it is very interesting because I, I, I don't know if I totally agree with you. Yes, last year there were bigger impacts because it was last game of the year. You know it's for the district. But this game could be as well. If Lubbock Christian wins, Trinity's done as far as winning the district goes. Lubbock Christian doesn't have it, but they're in a good spot for it. If Lubbock Christian loses, they're tied. Trinity has the tiebreaker. They each have one loss. They're both right in there to possibly win the district. So it really sets you up well. And I think this game means a lot for both it really means a lot for Trinity. If you lose to Lubbock Christian home, you're not winning the district. You know, your, right. your fate is going to be in the t- hands of other teams in the district. You don't want that. So both teams would want to win it, but Trinity honestly really needs this win. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Um, but I would argue that maybe Trinity lost a little more than, yeah. or, and it's still early. It's just uh, coach Spiller's second year. So they're still kind of working some things out. Um, I do think it was nice that they are able to play at home again, um, especially being that they have that new new say in the Archie Warwick Warwick struggle with my W's and R's <laughs> that stadium there, um, which is really nice. They have a good press box, a larger press box, which is nice for us. Obviously, um, a lot going on. Actually, I just got stats from Coach Spiller. So, Coach Spiller, if you're listening, thank you very much for that. Um, Let's see here. So, yeah, Davis Reeves had 39 carries for 241 yards last week um, and threw a two-yard pass. So they finished with 271 yards rushing, 270 – or I'm not reading that right. (laughs) 271 yards rushing um, last week. So, yeah, it'll be definitely interesting setup for this week. Um, but like I mentioned, I will obviously be out at Wolferth for Friendship's game against San Angelo Central. They ended up winning their first district 2-6-8 game last week. 
against Midland High with a new quarterback, Corbin Gandy. Uh, Chad Fraze was out with an injury. I'll be talking to Coach Northcutt tomorrow, um, but I believe he got pretty banged up against Lubbock Cooper. Um, but just the fact that Corbin Gandy was able to come in on the Midland Highs, they're, I mean, it, it wasn't guaranteed, but they're obviously a team that struggles a little bit early, but they might struggle a little bit this year. But um, you have a kid coming in, <clears throat> excuse me, Corbin Gandy, it's his first varsity start. He obviously had some, got some playing time against Lubbock Cooper, but it's different when you're starting a game, you know, and you're the guy. Um, Cause as far as I know, the quarterback competition is somewhere only between the two of them. So I don't know if they have, they probably do now have another backup quarterback, yeah. but um, I just hope it's not a repeat of a, a few years ago with um, Austin Phillips when friendship lost a lot of their quarterbacks knock on wood. Um, but Corbin Gandy came in and threw for over 200 yards in that win and was just able to kind of steady the boat. And you always hope to start off district with a win, no matter who you play. And just the fact that they were able to do that, I think that puts them in good position coming back home to play against San Angelo Central. And they need some consistency. This friendship team has been, you know, it's been win, loss, win, or I guess loss, win, loss, win. It, it, it's only going to get tougher going forward. They have they have a tough schedule in general. They've already played some tough teams, don't get me wrong, with Cooper and Coronado. Mm-hmm. But they need to start stringing some of these wins together. And this is honestly the perfect week to get that going with a team that – an old rival for friendship. You know, San Angeles Central is now back in their district. And this can get you, you know, kind of rolling a little bit. But I think you can also do the opposite. If you get to the halfway point and you're two and three, big difference than three and two. Right. Um, so in that way, yes, I, I do think the quarterback's going to be what people focus on, and they should. That is a big factor in this. But they have to get more consistency, whether it's quarterback play, whether it's getting William Bayuth even more involved, which I would imagine they are going to. For sure. Um, they're going to have they, – I'm not going to say they have to win this game. It, it's going to go a long way, though, if they do get this victory and get some consistency start rolling, you know. Yeah, I think the thing, too, is that – even with the, the uncertainty at the quarterback position at this moment, they still have a guy like Carson Miller that, you know, caught seven passes for 122 yards this past week. Andrew Braddock caught eight passes for 65 yards and a touchdown in that 37-23 win. Um, and they were struggling a little bit at first. Um, they were down was at 15-13 to 13 at halftime and then ended up holding um, Midland High to say, eight points. Mm-hmm. second half and then ended up scoring 20. So um, definitely a big second half. But like you said, I think having William Bayuth, who was coming in the most experienced skill player that they had returning. Um, and even though they're more of a pass heavy team, they do tend to um, run the ball kind of pretty even. And I think that's just very telling because I think William Bates is definitely deserving of that. And he's definitely one of the, the better running backs in the area. Um, so it'll be interesting how they, they can put that together against San Angelo central, um, which obviously is big just in terms of the scheduling because they, because of the reschedule, they lost quite a few of their home games. And so they're not home. It just seems like they're, they're not home a whole lot. Like last no. year, it seemed like they had a lot of home games this season, they were set up to have some, but then had to restructure, so they weren't able to, to be at home too much. So um, I think just the comfort of that will help. Um, San Angelo Central's coming in one and three, one and one in district right now. They just um, actually beat Abilene High 53 to 32 this past week. So both teams will be coming in with victories. Um, definitely looking forward to that one and seeing how they can do. Um, another one that I know I'll have my eye on, I don't know you talked about making a schedule, but uh, Roosevelt and Abernathy, we kind of talked about them um, a little bit earlier um, in terms of just the implications of that game and, and what that means. So that'll definitely be another interesting game to watch this week. You have to see that how, if Abernathy can get away, maybe they can get their season back on track. But if Roosevelt gets it, I mean, we – it feels like it feels like we've been, you know, going to that Idley Roosevelt game all season. If they get if they get that win over Abernathy, I know there's still one more game, but we're gonna get that matchup and see what it means for all the marbles. Um, but don't want to discount Abernathy and what a win could really mean for them. I mean, that, that right. would mean a lot to get them back on track, which sounds crazy. A win over Roosevelt, 
would get Abernathy back on track uh, because that's <laughs> has not been that way in recent years, but yeah. that's where, that's where this team is right now. Yeah, definitely. And just going over, going to go ahead and close out. going to go ahead and go over our final undefeated teams. We still have quite a few, which is really nice for this point of the season, but we've mentioned them already. Most of them, Roosevelt, Coronado, Shallow Water, Idaloo, Post, Lock New had to reschedule or restructure their schedule because of some COVID-19 stuff. Um, have a few more weeks before they have to play uh, state-ranked Hamlin, who's in their district. Um, but also have Klondike, who's 7-0 and for the first time since 1979. Um, and then Lubbock Christian is our final one. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight undefeated teams that we still have, which is – Pretty good for this area, I think. That's impressive. This late in the season, that's that's a lot of teams. Like, that really is a lot of teams. It makes for an interesting. It's definitely a silver lining to what was has been a very um, adversity filled 2020 season. Yes. As I mentioned before, I'll be talking to one of those undefeated head coaches, Lubbock Christian coach Chris Softley, in the next segment. Looking forward to another good slate of games this week. So please stay tuned for that if you're interested. And as always, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Lone Star Mercy Podcast. And we're back with the second segment of the Lone Star Mercy Podcast. I'm joined by Lubbock Christian coach Chris Softley, who had the week off unexpectedly this past Friday, but still undefeated on the season. Coach, all things considered, how would you say the season's going for you guys? I think it's been a joy. We enjoy getting to work with our kids. And certainly COVID is a great reminder of how quickly it can be taken or ended. And so we've had a lot of fun this year. Already made two trips to the Metroplex. Good time with the kids. We have a great group of boys and a great staff that works well together. So it has been a lot of fun so far. Being that you did have that big senior class that graduated last year, um, at least us from the outside, there were some questions as to you know how that continuity would keep up. We knew that you had Alex Lack coming back, and I believe you talked about your offensive line, but just what have you seen from this group to allow them to, to go on being undefeated like last season? So the biggest question is, how will you handle adversity? I just think that's a life question, right? Is it's so easy to to be positive and joyful and uh, praiseworthy when you're on top of the mountain. But how are you when things are hard and when you're getting called out or the ball's not bouncing your way? And that's the biggest thing for our kids so far is we've made our very our fair share of mistakes so far. And I've been impressed by how they've responded to coaching and discipline. Um, and, and certainly the results, the consequences that come from adversity. So I've been really pleased by that. That shows some humility on their part. It also shows a desire to grow. And that's the biggest thing for us. If we were to be as good as we can be, if we're to max out this season, there's going to have to be an abundance of growth and a whole lot of self-reflection and ownership of our mistakes. We talked to, I talked to Alex Lack before the season um, about a lot of those things. How have you seen him personify that and be that leader that you guys needed him to be? Yeah, big step up for us this year. Very, very thankful for that. Uh, you, you hope uh, that your kids are going to make that big growth, that big jump from junior to senior year, um, from, from being the guy. And he has. He's done everything great. He, he's been on time. He's been early. He's cleaned the locker room. He's, he's been humble. Uh, he's made some adjustments to his game. He's had to take ownership of some mistakes he's made. I've been really pleased with him and, and certainly excited for the future that, that's coming the rest of the season. Is there anyone else that maybe kind of surprised you or that's really stepped up that you've seen this, this season so far? You know, there's, there's guys that are in the light, that are a little bit in the, in the limelight, like a, like a Cade Landrum, who's Mr. Consistency. He's a great culture fit. He's a fantastic leader for the school, hard worker, do right. Uh, but there's even guys that are maybe in the in the background that you don't talk about as much that are that are maybe a little bit more servant leaders. And I would hate to get into all of them because I'm going to leave some of my seniors out. But there are a bunch of those guys that are role players, maybe not even starters, but they're bought in. Uh, their body language is great. Their enthusiasm is contagious. And when they speak, people listen because they've earned that respect. 
um, one of those guys that is a starter for us and a key player, but but a very humble leader would be Caleb Coates. I mentioned those three. There are three captains. They're trying to embody the three S's this year of selfless sacrifice and service. And I think they're doing a fantastic job with it. And I'm really proud of the senior class. Adversity seems to be the the overlying theme of this season, just sure. with um, adversity and uncertainty, I think mm-hmm. are, are the good words. Um, you guys dealt with a little bit of that this past week, like I mentioned with Colleyville. What did you do in place of that? Or what was that process like of deciding, <clears throat> okay, you know, we're going to go ahead and have an open week. And then what did you do at that time? So all week we were trying to find a game, find an opponent, uh, find the right fit. But we had some kids, as you mentioned, you know, with COVID uncertainty, we had some kids that because of others testing, they had to be in quarantine or we had we had some sickness going around, not COVID related. We had a foot injury. We had a leg injury. We had a thumb injury. So we're trying to find a game that fits us and our talent level and our lack of depth that we had. And, and when it kind of all fell through, there was no really nobody that, that we could find. We took that off week, ended up being really re- refreshing. Uh, we had to get healthy. We're still a little bit in that process. We're still a little dinged up right now. But I wouldn't have scheduled it this way, but I think it could end up being a um, an inflection point for us and for our future success. Kind of like that silver lining then finding That's right. those. That's right. Definitely what I think we're all trying to do this season. Yeah, so and so much, so much of what we get dealt this season of COVID is trying to find that proper perspective for it all. Um, being home for 14 days if, if you're in that quarantine uh, direct contact situation. It, there's some isolation, there's some discouragement, there's some frustration with maybe people that put you there or choices that put you there. Or I, even the kids that are wearing their masks are trying to do everything right according to the CDC and the guidelines and yet the health department still sends them home. I mean, what an awesome opportunity for you to really shine a light on your heart and see how am I responding to these circumstances and and uh, am I a circumstance-based person where, like we talked about earlier, I can be joyful when things are going well, but when things are bad, I'm grumpy and angry like everybody else. And we know as, as Christians, we're called to be different in that aspect. We're, we're always called to let our light shine. That fruit of the Spirit should always show through us. And that's the best way for people to see there's something different about us is when it doesn't fit the context that people are thinking, you should be grumbling and complaining right now. And yet there's a peace and there's a there's a confidence that, hey, it's going to work out. And, and I know that uh, me bringing some negativity is not going to help any in this situation. That's the time where I really think your light shines and I think it can be a ministry. So May we all try to strive for that. I know I'm speaking to myself as well right now, but that'll be the goal. Yeah. On a smaller scale, you guys kind of had that last year when you played Trinity, which obviously is the game coming up. Trinity got up on you guys. Um, You came back. It was Cash Howard had that goal line stand to end the game and win it to keep you guys undefeated. What do you remember about those moments in that game? So that game, it, it... it, it did not go well for us, you know, and sometimes that happens in life. You have what you feel like is a good game plan or you feel healthy and you start the day on the right foot and all of a sudden things kind of just aren't going your way. And hats off to them as well for, for playing hard and having a great game plan and executing it well. But even in the midst of that, that's kind of our mantra is the next moment needs to be a max out. Like it, it so what now what, you know, you had a bad class period, you had a bad day or a bad drive what can I do now to control what I can control? And so we want to be where our feet are. We want to be in the present. I was really impressed by our boys, their resiliency, uh, their focus, and the fact that they were just steady in the boat amidst all that was going wrong gave everyone confidence there at the end that, hey, if there's time on the clock, we still got a shot. And bowing their next bowing their next at the goal line is, I mean, it couldn't have probably been a better example of the toughness uh, the fortitude and, and that inner strength really um, of that team last year. And so really, really proud of our kids and how they showed resolve in that. Hopefully we can copy and grow some of that this year. Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned, you have Alex back. Um, you have quite a few kids that, if not saw time in that game, at least saw that game moving forward. What are mm-hmm. you, I guess, expecting this week? Oh, well, anytime you play a crosstown team, you know that it will be uh, – an intense contest. Um, there's a lot of different emotions that go in, especially as teenagers, uh, that go into all that. 
I think it'll be a great football game. I think it'll probably be a fun one to cover. If if you're in the media, it probably won't be as much fun to coach because it'll probably be it'll have its stressful moments. But it's fun to play quality opponents, and it, we always say if if Lord willing, if Friday comes, we think we'll be prepared, and I think that will be the case for us this week. Uh, every day we'll get better, we'll get more comfortable with our game plan. Our kids will will grow in their confidence, and. Uh, Again, Lord willing, if Friday comes, I, I think we'll be ready. What are you, I guess, seeing in terms of uh, Trinity Christian? I know Davis Reed is kind of really powering mm-hmm. them right now as far as their run game goes. And uh, Coach Spiller talked about that offensive line that comes back. But I guess on paper, uh, what's the scouting report on them or what are you seeing? A well-coached ball club. Coach Spiller does a great job with them. They are they're tough, hard-nosed. Um, they're... They're a team that has um, some, some of that perseverance and um, some of that fortitude that we talked about earlier when I'm talking about my kids. Well, they have the same thing. They're, they don't have as much depth as, as maybe some other schools in our district, even though their school is, is much bigger than ours. And uh, they're, they're, they have some other things that are going their way in terms of being one of the bigger schools in our district. Uh, their football numbers are low, and so that hats off to them for being able to play both ways, play special teams. A lot of those kids are, are playing every, stat, every snap uh, on Friday night, and that shows their toughness. So those would be words that I would describe them. They're a, they're a strong, hard-nosed team. They have a big victory. They're coming off of versus TCA Willow Park, a big district win. Um, they're in, in Godly on, on the road. And so a lot of good things coming for them this year. Uh, it'll be a fantastic contest. Defensively for you guys, what do you like about that matchup coming in this week? I like the challenge. I like that it'll be a test of our toughness. And we'll get a, we'll get a really clear filmed example of how we're responding to a challenge. They're going to line up and run it right at us. And we'll see how we respond to that. Got to play with better pad level this week. That needs to be a discipline for us. Uh, It's so it's second nature for us to be self-preservatory and and stand up and be lazy and and uh, have bad eyes. We need to really fight against that flesh there to be average. Um, We need to play a great game. It will need to be a highly disciplined game, having really small eyes, reading our keys and doing our job, trusting that our our partner, our, our guy next to us will do his. A game will be at Archie Warwick Stadium, kind of on the road, not really on the mm-hmm. road, I guess, for you guys. Um, second time playing them this year. Was that agreed upon to play there? How did that? So, so the, the short story is, I think this is our seventh football schedule that we've put together here at the, in the TAPS District 1. Uh, just some pre-COVID, some post-COVID, some in the middle of COVID. And so when we drew numbers the seventh time, it just it had us going to Lubbock Trinity. It's the first year of the second realignment. And so they'll be here next year. It'll all work out. Um, we're thankful for the opportunity to not have to travel to Dallas and just have to travel to Lubbock. And so we'll, uh, we'll be excited to get on the road. Uh, I think they have some... We're not intense this year at the locker room. I think they have some portables for us this year we can change in in some privacy, so that'll be nice, and uh, we'll get out there. We'll be ready to go on Friday night. Definitely will be a fun game, and looking forward to that one. Coach Softley, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks for coming out. And thank you all for listening to another episode of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast.